Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are things going today? Not too shabby. How about yourself? Great as always. It's a beautiful day to be in the oil field. Uh, firstly, before we get the kicked off, uh, I'll start off by asking all the faithful listeners, please continue to support the show by taking a few minutes and leave us a review. Um, you know, whether it's five stars or if you want to send us a note on LinkedIn, we always appreciate the feedback. So Matt, one thing, uh, there's a lot of people out there drilling with invert emulsions and one of the key components is the brine phase or, you know, the water phase. Uh, but a, a very important part to that phase is something we like to call water phase salinity. And it, 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 it acts uh, it's very important. It helps provide uh, inhibition along with some other you know, key factors that play into the role of an oil-based mud. So I thought we'd talk about that specifically. Uh, Matt, I mean, are you cool with that? Can you, can you roll with that today? I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> you know, this is actually, I consider it one of the oil field boogeymen, if you will. There's just a lot of confusion on this topic. I don't know if I will actually add clarity, but I will comment and we'll <laughs> see where that gets us. Perfect. Well, and let's, let's, uh, firstly, what is the definition of water phase salinity? So when you've got your oil-based mud, we know it's, or invert emulsion, we know that it's got those water droplets in the internal phase. And those droplets typically aren't just water, they're a brine solution. And so in that brine solution, what is the saline content or how much salt is in there? Um, and that can actually affect how the fluid interacts with the formation and that kind of thing. Um, and so this number's pretty important to monitor and maintain, uh, just to stay, uh, stay consistent and make sure we get the performance we're expecting. Okay. So we have water phase salinity, but then we also have whole mud chloride. So what's the difference between the two? So water phase salinity is actually going to isolate the brine phase. When you do, when you do a mud check and you're checking your whole mud chlorides, what you do is you break the emulsion, you do your titration and check your chlorides, but it still includes that oil content and the other material present. Um, so one is just accounting for the salt itself as if the oil wasn't there, just looking at pure brine. And the other one is kind of, this is what it looks like in the mixture. So you take your whole mud chlor chlorides and that will ultimately get you what your water phase salinity is. Mm, okay. Uh, so you're drilling away. How do you actually adjust for that? Like what, what's the main component of, of those chlorides? Where is it coming from? So it's usually calcium chloride. Uh, we like it cause it's cheap, um, readily available. Sometimes it can be sodium chloride. I mean, we, we'll talk a little bit about some of the rationale about how we choose, but, um, you know, it's as simple as adding salt or adding water. Okay. So, I mean, there's uh, there's always ranges and we've kind of the rule of thumb you know in oil-based mud can range anywhere i'm just throwing numbers out there anywhere from you know around 220 to up to 300,000 but uh i mean it's kind of just a generic rule of thumb but how do we actually engineer to, if someone was to go into an area where they weren't familiar with it how do we you know essentially pick the salinity of the invert emulsion 
Well, I feel like it's complicated in some ways, and in other ways, it's really simple. Um, so almost everybody, if they're starting out and have no foundation or basis, will start out with 25% by weight calcium chloride. And that'll just be, it seems to work in most cases for most people. But there are measurements we can do, particularly when we're having problems or there's a question. Uh, and so, you know, a couple of things you can look at. One is um, just the resistivity logs. You can get the equivalent salinity or activity of the material you're drilling through and have an idea of whether the salinity and activity of the mud you're drilling with is close or matches. Um, and so that's one easy way. If we're having a lot of problems, we, let, we, we first look at that, but we can also uh, catch cutting samples or preserved shale samples and uh, run what's called a hygrometer, where we basically measure the relative humidity of the samples to see if water is moving from one direction to it or another, or if it's kind of staying put. Um, and so that, that can sort of help us if, if we really have no idea what, what we're looking for or we're seeing some problems that we need to check up on. Makes sense. Um, so what essentially is the water activity of brine when, you know, between like say sodium chloride, calcium chloride, you know, things like that? So water, the, so the, the amount of available water is, is sort of a description. So there, water activity is kind of a, it doesn't have a unit. You just use a water activity meter and take the measurement. There's tables in a lot of mud manuals and a lot of brine manuals. Uh, but the idea is that fresh water has an activity of one. And it goes down as you add salt. Um, and so as less water is available is sort of a way to describe it. Gotcha. Now, some salts go into solution more so than others. So eventually you reach saturation and you can't put any more salt in there. Sodium chloride, it can go up to 10 pounds per gallon. Um, I think the activity at that point is about 0.75 um, and I'm at saturation. But uh, calcium chloride, I can go to 11.6. I can put a lot more salt, a lot more pounds of salt in there, get a lot more chlorides. Um, so my activity could go even lower if I wanted to, maybe as low as, you know, 0.4 or less. Okay. What's uh, the most active, Brian? Or what would be, how could you get the lowest? Do you have any idea? Um, I would assume it would be some, like, as far as you could even use in the industry, it would probably be some formate brine um, okay. that can go really high density, like cesium formate or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, for the most part, we don't ever have to get that low on the activity. Sure. Um, you can also do this with glycol or alcohols. Uh, so that's one, our, our chloride free system that we drill with, we actually adjust the activity using glycol and water. Gotcha. But the glycol itself doesn't have chlorides because it's once it's a chloride free, but you can adjust right. the activity. Exactly. So you can okay. adjust the available water. Ah, okay. So, um, you, you can actually try and match the activity of a shale that way. So we know the shale's got some salt in it, right? Remember a lot of this stuff was at one point underneath an ocean, there's some water, there's some water present. We figure out what that concentration is or what that salinity is, mm. and we try and match it. Um, it gets a little more complicated than that, but at its most fundamental, I have activity of my brine and I have an activity of that shale. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, before we move on, I do have a question. I know we talked about whole mud chlorides versus, you know, the, the water face salinity chlorides. Um, I've seen on some reports it, it be reported as parts per million. I've seen some reports mention milligrams per liter. What's the relationship between the two? Because some people say, oh, it's basically the same. But then some people say, well, 
at lower salinities, they're the same, but as you get higher, they spread. What What's a relationship and why is there one? Or like, why is there a difference? Well, okay. So milligrams per liter sounds exactly like what it is, right? It's, it's a, it's milligrams or a weight per unit volume. Mm-hmm. Parts per million is a concentration by weight of the total weight, uh, of the total, you know, million parts. Ah, okay. And so... Uh, you know, to get parts per million, you would divide the milligrams per liter by the specific gravity. The reason that a lot of folks get this confused is just like you were describing a lot of, if you go, if you Google it, what you're going to find is that a lot of very low concentration solutions are close enough to water and density that it's the same because you're just dividing by one, which is a specific gravity of water. Mm. But when we're up, uh, you know, at, at these, these brine densities where we're over 10 pounds per gallon, um, then you divide by a much bigger number and now you're off by 30%. I got you. So um, you would divide by the specific gravity of the salt? Or? Yes. Okay. So if, you know, if I have a 10 pound brine, I divide by 1.2 because that's specific, 1.2 is specific gravity of that 10 pound brine. Ah, okay. Makes it. So then that basically brings it back to that, that range of the mass per volume. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up. That's always been a question of mine. And I've heard that be brought up quite a few times, actually. Um, so how does the, the water face saline actually help us? And why do we need it, um, you know, while we're drilling? What, what's the interaction between the rock and the actual brine phase? So this is where we get to the oil field boogeyman part that I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes when we're having hole stability problems or some sort of issue, everybody's like, oh, well, it's, it's got to be the chlorides. Um, and my experience is that Sometimes, but usually not. Um, you know, let's look at everything when we understand the issues. Uh, but so let's say I have a really high salinity and a um, uh, so very low water activity, and and my my uh, th- then I've got water in my shale. What happens is the water wants to move to the sa- higher salinity. Okay, so what can happen in a very high chlorides water phase salinity is I can have the water move out of the formation into the brine phase, which can or cannot be bad. In some situations, it can actually strengthen the wellbore. Um, there's certain, uh, so like our interclear system actually uses this mechanism mm. up in the, you know, in the Montney, the Duvernay shales, which have this interaction. You take the water out, you embrittle the shale, and now the, uh, the cuttings break away much more easily, and I can extend bit life and do things. And it's one of the few cases where you drill with water-based mud fa- faster than oil-based mud. Okay. Um, so those are kind of the good things. But if we go too crazy with that, we can actually see embrittlement and breakout. Right. Um, and what happens is it's not uncommon that I hear someone that it's kind of going the wrong way, but say, oh, well, we had some borehole instability. That's most likely a mud weight issue. And they'll say, let's, let's run up the chlorides. Let's run up the chlorides. Well, you, then in that case, you're actually dehydrating the formation if you exceed that if you have that osmotic exchange, as we describe it, because what's happening is you're moving water, but the, for example, if you have calcium chloride, the calcium's not moving into the formation. It's still staying in that membrane inside that water droplet in your oil-based mud. Okay. The water is moving. Uh-huh. Um, and so you, you induce that movement and you can have embrittlement. And this, I mean, this has happened. This is, and predominantly where it's been seen is, is they had the salinity too high. They did their typical 25% by weight calcium chloride, uh, offshore, very young formations, having borehole stability and collapse. Um, they knew it wasn't a mud weight issue. 
and they dropped the salinity to 17% by weight. And lo and behold, um, the, it drilled fine after that. Mm. Um, so high chlorides can, you know, be your friend or your enemy. Um, yeah. It may be that we don't want to be perfectly matched, but we may want to lean in that direction a little bit. But the other side of it is if I run my chlorides too low, I'll probably see some sticky cuttings coming across the shakers. Um, because the water goes from low activity to high activity, right? Right. So the water is going to start moving. Uh, now the water is going to start moving into the cuttings, mm-hmm. right? And then hydrating um, the shale or... Exactly. Then, okay. Um, and, and so um, when, it, when you see that, uh, obviously you, you need to increase your salt. Um, but that can be a pretty big issue. Um, and when we get down to some of these salts, uh, you know, one of the things I've, I've seen every once in a while, somebody says, Hey, we're gonna drill with sodium chloride because it's cheaper. Um, and it is cheaper, but it saturates out at its, at, at activity level, which is typically about what we run calcium chloride anyways. Um, which is what? Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, 10 pound per gallon, right? um, which is a 0.75, I believe, water oh. activity okay and what um, would that equate to and i think i mean just knowing off the top of my head it's about 180 to 190 yeah right? probably, yeah somewhere in that neighborhood yeah um and, and what we ultimately find is that uh that the problem is that may not be enough one and and two you usually can't run an oil-based mud with a saturated brine phase not to say it can't be done not to say i haven't done it but normally you need a little bit of available water sure. to have a stable emulsion. Mm. Um, and so that's the other thing that we see is, is folks saying, let's run up the chlorides as high as possible. Um, and they super saturate the mud. And what actually happens is salt really likes water. I mean, we know that. And that's the whole principle between this activity thing. Well, what's going to happen is your wetting agent is going to try and oil wet something that really likes water and is extremely water wet. And so you start drawing down all your water wet or your oil wetting material as it tries to water wet or oil wet solids, mm. the, the salt. Um, and then you start having dulling of the mud, you're going to bayrite fallout, you, you know, your emulsion becomes pretty unstable. And so you, it's, you know, you've intentionally shot yourself in the foot right. uh, when you get caught up. What would be the highest, uh, just using calcium chloride, for example, what would be the highest chloride content that you could comfortably run do you have any idea or does it depend on oil water ratio no i mean it wouldn't really depend on oil water ratio i mean i've run probably i've gone as high as 37 percent, and that's pushing it okay um do you know what that equates to on like I, i'd have to look at a table no problem um but uh it, it's it's one of those uh i've you know i've run 35 percent like you can do it. You just need a reason to do it. Sure. Um, and the only, my, the applications where I was doing it was actually reservoir drilling fluids where we didn't want bayrite. Yeah. And so we were using as much of that brine to get density as possible. Um, and we were drilling a pretty clean sandstone where I wasn't worried about shale issues. Makes sense. So with all this being said, I mean, these are all great points, but it kind of leads me back to my, one of my initial thoughts and, and questions is like, you know, what is the right number? And is there a way that we can easily identify this? You know, I think it goes back to, quite honestly, you know, shales can be fairly complex, and, and this is one element of a complex system. So, uh, you know, a few things are, if, if you are having an issue, don't look at salinity in isolation. Let's, don't rule it out entirely, although whenever I get asked, you may see my eyes roll a little bit 
<laughs> um, normally it's a mud weight issue. So don't ever rule that out when we're talking about salinity. And mud weight's really difficult to narrow down because it's geomechanics, it's trajectory, there's all these other things going on. But at the same time, what do we do to rule in or out a potential issue? We can, we can, do the, we can look at those resistivity logs. We can uh, you know, get a hygrometer out in the field or, or review what we think the actual properties of the shale are um, and have some idea. Is there a huge differential here? Um, so we, we can actually dig into those things a little bit deeper when we need to. And I, and I think if you're having an issue, that's where you start. I also think that you're pretty safe starting out with what, you know, kind of the, the bulk standard recommendation of 25% calcium chloride. And if, if we're having a problem, let's, let's make our adjustments. You know, that even gets into the commercial side of things of, you know, if you're on a rental program and you want to use a different salt or you want to use different properties, there could be more cost. So let's, let's start with the cheapest, most obvious base case. Mm -hmm. Um, and and make our adjustments if we're having problems. Right. Um, and I think just be very careful not to look at this in isolation um, because it's out there. And I've been skeptical and wrong before on this topic. But at the same time, um, I think more often than not, when we're having these conversations about what to do about the chlorides, we're not talking about mud weight. Right. So I, I think it's, it's all part of that problem solving exercise of making sure we don't get distracted by one problem and also doing our due diligence on all the possible suspects. Gotcha. Actually, something that I was curious about as you were talking about this, with regards to mud weight, obviously salt has a certain density. Mm -hmm. So um, if you increase the chlorides without adding barite, are you going to increase the mud weight as well? Yes. I mean, to some degree, right? It's, it's, uh, so that's why I use that example. And it's why I've actually drilled reservoir drill-in fluids with calcium bromide as the internal phase for oil-based mud. Mm. Because we needed the density. We only had car calcium carbonate as weight material. Um, and so it helped us. Interesting. Um, and I've looked of, I've looked at and tested, never run even something like cesium formate, uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, and it was all for density. It wasn't necessarily a shale interaction. It was just to make things heavier. So yes, definitely. Cool. Okay. Well, those are all the questions I had. Matt, you got any other closing comments for, uh, the listeners out there? No, I mean, I, I think this is an interesting one. Um, once again, you know, I hope all these inspire some conversation, but uh, I'd really love to hear feedback if, if people have some thoughts, strong opinions, yeah, um, or maybe even a, a good war story about, about fighting the fight with this, because it, it comes up, it's just, uh, it doesn't come up all the time. Sure. Awesome. Well, anyone out there that has any thoughts or any good stories, hit us up at flowlinepodcast at aesfluids.com, and we'll be sure to respond and give you a shout out on the next episode. Anyways, folks, appreciate it. Have a good one. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.